Ain't no love, ain't no love to give. It's not in the city. I'm feeling that shit. Faux show. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the basement. Uh, that is Doja. Doja of Arizona. D-O-J-A-H. Uh, local Arizona cat. Uh, he lives. He lives out there, out there in the desert doing his thing. Uh, we met in a Facebook group, actually. So some time ago, maybe four years ago, four or five years ago. But let me let me rewind all the way back to 2006, right when I got back from the desert. Yeah, my first deployment uh, in the Air Force. I came back to the United these United States of America, continental U.S., and uh, my boss was talking about this Sirius Satellite Radio and Howard Stern, you know, merging over, hitting us this huge, massive contract. And uh, and he swore up and down by it. And I was like, uh, I say my boss. I mean, he was my boss at my time, later became like my mentor, uh, one of my best friends slash brothers, handed me the, the rings at my, my wedding. So, uh, yeah, my boss. <laughs> but he swore by it. So I get the Sirius Satellite Radio. And uh, I, I come to uh, the Cavino and Rich show, a little talk show. They talk for an hour, just two two bros talking talking shit back and forth. Uh, they take calls, real interactive, and then they would take a little break. Then they go at it for another hour, take a little break, and then hit the final hour and uh, and peace out. So it's a you know smooth three hour radio show uh, with just two two cats. You know, really it really perked my interest. I grew up listening to uh, like AM radio. My granddad always had on AM radio, sports talk radio. Uh, driving around the city, so anytime I would get in the car with my grandparents um, or with my grand with my grandpa, he had on uh, talk radio. If, if grandma was in the car, they'd be listening to uh, some old uh, old seventies Donna Summers. Uh, maybe maybe some Elvis would come on. Uh, just doing uh, doing the music thing when when grandma was around. But uh, but yeah, so I always liked listening to people talk. I guess is what I'm saying. And I stumbled across the Cavino and Rich show, and I really like these dudes' vibe. You know, two dudes with two different perspectives really, like, you know, change my perspective on the world. Like, oh, you can actually be friends or even best of friends with somebody you don't agree with necessarily and can be complete opposite people who live your lives completely differently, but you're still able to form this bond and and, and move forward in, in friendships and you know, I just thought it was really cool. It really captivated my interest and changed my perspective, like I said, on uh, on how I kind of just look at people and other men you know, as well. Because, I mean, there were dudes, you know, my age-ish, I think they're a little bit older, but out there living the, the single 20s lifestyle and really being able to articulate that. And I really appreciated it at that time where I was, just as I just continually has always, have, have always searched for, for some type of guidance in my life, you know, as to, to try to not be any type of wanderer, just, you you know, getting out there, seeking all kinds of knowledge so we can uh, can have that wisdom in life. But anyways, they had a, uh, a Facebook group, a private Facebook group. Uh, what was it called? What is it called? 
um, Cavino and Rich, to Carl's, Cavino and Rich listeners page, <laughs> Carl's. So uh, we met in there, me and that dude Doja. Um, and he's cool, man. We, uh, we've kind of like the, some people in the group, it was, I mean, it's a nationally, you know, I think it, it might air in Canada. Uh, it's an internationally syndicated radio show. Uh, so, and they, and they get their, they get their play. So they had a little bit of a following, you know, there's a few thousand of us in this group. Um, was it that big? I feel like it was like 3000 people in the group, but even if it was like 500, like whatever, there's a, a, a you know, a hundred to 200 people who are real active and vocal on the page. And, you know, it got clicky and people form friendships and, and so, you know, just like, I don't even, I think I left the group. And if not, I definitely muted it because not only do I not have Sirius Satellite Radio anymore, it's, 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 it is exclusive to that platform. Um, and, I mean, you can get the online. I guess you'd be able to stream if you get the app, but that's just one more thing. There's plenty of other podcasts out there you can just plug and play and not go through the paywall for for the content you want to listen to, which is one of the reasons why I love podcasting. But so in the, in, within the, the Facebook group, kind of, uh, you know, got cool with a few people up in there. And since then, some like, and a few of us did, like, it'd be like, it got, like I said, it, it was clicky. So it was this group of people. And then there's a bunch of different factions of the Carl's main page. There was like a fitness one, uh, one for, for guns and knives, uh, one for hip hop. And the hip hop one is kind of, I fuck with those dudes. And it's actually now, I mean, it's grown to not just a Covino and rich listeners, hip hop page. Like it kind of, there's a few people who are just hanging out that I know from there. And then it's a bunch of other people too. So it's a, it's a pretty smooth page. Um, but yeah, so I met, that's where me and, uh, Doja, you know, just kind of got cool with. I've never actually talked to him in person. Uh, we got a mutual friend, Fabian, who's been on the, ma- uh, been on the podcast. He's been in the basement. Uh, he's a COVID-19. He was in the hospital. Things were looking bad. He's knocking on death's door and, uh, he gets intubated and then extubated. And he talks about that on the podcast. So, um, 35 maybe I don't know Fabian McIntosh is the is the is the episode he, and he uh before he gets into the COVID-19 he tells his life story and it's uh I mean talk about a man with resilience I just I, definitely that's something to go back and and listen to if you just are in some type of shit in your life and don't know how to get out of it well that's an individual who kept getting into shit and couldn't ever quite get out of as soon as he would get close back into some shit back into some shit over and over to a point where his resiliency never never allowed him to stop climbing up out the shit and now he's you know seemingly um seemingly in a better place in life and based on every conversation i have with bro uh, albeit mostly online um you know, he seems to, to, to be in a good mental place, you know, you know what I'm saying? Just out there trying to, uh, to, to be a, a proud father, uh, husband, uh, and just overall output as much positivity as possible. Albeit, you know, we're all still learning how to do that, you know, to, to some, to some degree, you know, at least that's, uh, that's how I view it. But yeah, that was, that was Doja, man. And speaking of speaking of friends, <laughs> transition. I uh, I was with at the vet check on Thursday. Vet check Thursday is still in effect. Um, we got the Lopez Newton Thursday still hanging on. Uh, we we found our way to uh, a spot in Tucson, and we ended up with eleven people at the table because people. I mean, our team has got we're, we're six deep already, and we're actively uh, expanding. Uh, looking for more salespeople to come on, and if that happens, we're going to need some more administrative help. 
So we're uh, we're out there. Our, our faces are out there, and uh, our group grew to the size of eleven. And they kind of they they're like, nope, you guys got eleven people. They were not fucking around. And I actually ended up speaking to the manager before we left. There was uh, once everybody kind of disbanded. It was three of us still there. And before I left, I spoke with the manager just to kind of just and not even about that. Some other stuff had happened, so I just wanted to get a, a perspective on uh, on what went down uh, besides that. But but it also at the same time it came up. He's like, yeah, and we do our best to, you know, keep. You know, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't. I'm not even talking about that, dude. When you broke us up, that's all cool. If we're at 11 people, and that's what it means for you to keep your, your the 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 doors open here, like <laughs> they could come down and shut you down. Then then uh, yeah, so be it. I'm not I'm not tripping. But you know, at the same time, it's a little foolish. You know, what what is the actual difference between 10 or 11 people sitting at? We had three tables pushed up close to each other, and we weren't six feet apart, but the vast majority of us are in constant interaction with one another every day and everybody's doing good with the the clean hands and using the hand sanitizer and no, you know, we're, we're not up in each other's face at the same time. Yeah. We had 10, 11 people at the table. Anyways, they broke us up and, uh, and half the people went, uh, sat at a different two tables. The rest of us sat and kicked it. So they broke up our party and it reconvened later on there at the end. Um, so that was Thursday uh, for, for business. So that's still going down. And then we went to, uh, the, then I went to, uh, to vet check. And right now we were just, we was, uh, kicking it at one of the homies cribs. Uh, I had every intention of going and getting in the pool, uh, the last three weeks. And, uh, I think two weeks ago I did. And then I haven't been back in the pool since, but I've been coming geared up, bringing my, my, own, my own towel ready to rock and roll. But what we got to do in the last few weeks is Thursday night vet check fights. Just started off uh, talking a little bit of shit, me and me and uh, me and Seth, a uh, few weeks back, and uh, so we started rolling around a little bit, and he got me. And uh, in fact, I ain't <laughs> I'll see why I'm laughing in a minute. <laughs> uh, and then the next week, me and uh, me and Cody fucking around, and I'll mind you. I, I'm like the smallest of all my friends, like so. Uh, but the next week, Cody, he fucks around. Uh, started talking some shit to him, and and, and he gets me. You know, there was some circumstances surrounding everything, but but bottom line, you know, I'm I'm owing two. So we roll into to this week, and uh, it's a bigger like most of the vet check crew is there. I think we were down one, so we got the we got the core four, and there's the Fab Five, and then now we're up we're up to six right now. But like the like the core four. It was all kind of one thing. Boom, we're, we're doing this. Uh, and I don't know if I've told the how vet check actually began. I, I'm sure I have, but I'm gonna forego that right now. But you know, just the actual specifics of how we uh, we got this thing going. Um, and I th- I'm pretty sure I've, I've said it on the podcast before, but I'll break that story down again at a, at a different time. But but the, you know, so it's the core four, and then Cody came in it was uh the fab five just to just to be stupid about it but the core four is myself ian seth and uh big t and then cody came on a little bit after sean came on a few months after that now we got uh, another cat who's who's wanting to come in and kick it with us too so this could be you know it's turned into to something and i'm really really proud of it uh just being able to to hang out i mean first of all break break the monotony of just you know every every week going to work you know family, you know, TV, read books, uh, emails, internet, whatever you're doing in your day, like it, it has a tendency to get monotonous. And just if you're not 
actively involved in something, whether that's an, an art class, a music class, a martial arts class, for crying out loud, uh, just doing something to occupy your time, fucking off doing a podcast, trying to dick off and make music, like just something out of just work and family, even if you like like enjoy those things which i actually do it's still it's still a little bit monotonous so thursday is a nice little you know i do my best to get uh family time if i can get out of the office early come home and hang out or you know i if things run a little bit late and i still got to go to attend to these events um you know facetime bam modern technology get to at least see see the boys before bed and then come home in fact i came home uh this thursday the other just the other day and uh big g had shit himself so he was just sleeping kind of on his side stretched out and it smelled awful so we, we took care of that just milling so still got to still got to spend a little bit of bit of time but i was uh i was at uh seth's house doing the thing and we got to uh we got to rolling around. So, you know, like I said, you know, everybody but Ian was there. So it was five of us plus uh, a couple other people came as well. Uh, so, we had, you know, six, seven, six, seven, eight people, maybe seven people uh, out there kicking it at Seth's crib. And uh, we get to we get to grappling. You know, the, the Thursday night vet fights continued. And uh, Big T was like, all right, sick of y'all fucking around. Let's go. Everybody's going down tonight. Basically is what he said. And We'll get him on to talk about it, uh, as well as some other things. Uh, last time Big T was over here, uh, we didn't get the mics hot, and then you know vet checks. We keep those, we keep those close knit. That goes between us. There's not a lot of, not a lot of intimate audio that that's ever ever gonna come out of there. We might have some side stuff uh, to talk about, but we uh, we really go in and and share with each other the way brothers do because vet check is all about you know another veteran not putting an extra hole in themselves. Um, I, you know, and I'll say that just, just straight out, flat out. So people can fully understand, you know, what us getting together is about. There's a lot of veterans with problems and, you know, this, this whole group of, group of fellas, um, has there ever been a lady vet who came through vet check? We've had dependents through, um, we've had, I don't know if a lady vet's ever been through. In passing, I think in passing, I've something standing out to me that we've had an, a female army vet who was just in the press. But we meet people along the way, anyways. Um, but it's it's just to ensure that we're all doing all right and and checking on one another. So that's what it's all about, checking on a vet. That's that's what I do at, at least once a week. And oftentimes I'll see these dudes. I don't if I got a free you know half hour hour in the schedule i might drop by one of the homies cribs it's depending on what anybody has going on or if we can meet up a little bit early in the afternoon just to get a break bread or something like that say what's up like we, we're definitely just out there doing as best as we can to uh to take care of one another but big t he uh he rolls through seth Boop. He rolls through uh, through Cody. That took a minute. And then I was like, ah. And Cody and Seth, they wouldn't give me a rematch. So I was like, fuck it. So I went three rounds with Big T. And uh, they were competitive to an extent. I mean, he... I'm sure he was in control the entire time, but he couldn't figure out what I was doing. It took him a little bit to download some stuff. And I, I'm hoping, uh, yeah, b before too long, once uh, once I heal up, um, uh, I'm gonna go a few more rounds and uh, let's see what we can't get cracking. I had him at one point. I don't know. I don't know the story. I, I, it's, it's difficult to break down, but uh, 
But nonetheless, first one, he uh, he bent me in half, like f- uh, folded me in half, like the way your body is supposed to bend, but but crunch me. And I tapped, I tap early, and I will always tap early. Like my wife, she's mad at me now. <laughs> but <laughs> I said this at the fights, like I tap early with the boys. Like I tap early because I can't get hurt. Like I'm not gonna allow myself to get hurt. And the good thing, ultimately, talking about getting hurt, I have like I didn't aggravate any older injuries. Right now I got acute injuries that are gonna heal. <laughs> so he he tapped me out, bent me in half, and uh I think like and I I he didn't I don't think he had the strength to hold me because right as I tapped, he was like already letting me go as my arm was coming down. So maybe he just saw it because he was like standing up looking at me as I'm bent in half. So maybe he saw my arm coming and just decided to let me go. But I feel like I could uh like I'm in that position all like every day. Like I can I can bend myself in half, like down my, my forehead down to my knees. So that it wasn't any pain there, but he cut off he caught me on an exhale was the issue. So I was really I was like, ah fuck, fuck that. Like I can't stand being like completely out of breath. It really, for, for, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, which is weird because I used to be able to hold my breath underwater for a real, real long time. Uh, I used to just really aqua, really strong in the water, uh, holding my breath, swimming just back and forth just as a, as a child, as a young child, single digits, uh, and then into just early teens. And then I guess started smoking weed and, and playing other sports out of the water and lung capacity went down. And I mean, and by now for sure, like I'm just older and out of shape. But anyways, I didn't have air. So I, so I tapped out to that, not because of back pain or anything like that. But I think because I had the starts of a triangle choke on the motherfucker. So if I would have just kind of muscled back a little bit better or, and I, and I didn't know that's what he was doing. The way his arms came, all of a sudden they were just under my neck and he did it really quick. I was like, Oh shit. So, you know, maybe there's pay better attention and, uh, and know what's coming. Uh, a little bit more anticipation on the defense while I'm on offense, but I had a triangle choke probably a third of the way in. And I felt I was in position. I had to whip, I had to do a call. I had to do a couple things, but I, think I had it and I think he knew that so that's why he went for the quick reach behind uh behind the neck and, and squeeze me in, in half and I just tapped right away because bam like I said I, I ain't getting hurt I gotta I gotta be able to to uh, and that's this is funny because I said it my wife's pissed off I gotta be able to like play with my kids like they're toddlers they need a lot of attention they're boys we pick up and we throw and we, we swing and I gotta you know pick them up to do clothes and diapers and shoes and even just just the basics like that uh so beyond even the the playing aspect of it the the the, the rabble rousing the rough housing of boys in the house so uh so I tapped uh there and then we went and I think this is out of, so he rolled up Seth. And then I think I went round my round one with T. And that's when that happened. And then he went with Cody. And uh he got he got Seth uh, pretty quick, quick ish. And then uh then that one with me and him, and then with Cody. Cody was pretty long. Cody got on his back. And then wrapped his legs together. Cody got on T's back, and then Cody's Cody's big. I'm the smallest of all my friends. These dudes are all six three plus. Uh, Seth may be like six two, and I'm six two and a half. My license says six three because there's no six two and a half option, and you will not short me my half inch. God damn it. 
Uh, but Cody's on T's back and he crosses his legs. Now, the way you put in hooks with your legs, you dig your heels into the groin or try to. Or if you're tall enough or yourself and your opponent is maybe lanky enough and you get it, you're going to wrap, like actually wrap. So think of you're behind somebody and you have your heels in their groins, but actually sliding your heels down like to their thighs and getting your your feet hooked behind their knees, like that's almost as good or, or better. But what you don't do is cross your legs around them like sitting crisscross applesauce. Uh, so Cody did that, and T kind of rolled and squeezed his big thick ass. He's big T, bro. Like y'all don't y'all don't get it. It's like a like a glacier shark and an orangutan all in one. Uh, state champion, state not state champion, but like state competitor high school wrestler like triple digit victory single digit losses um trained in martial arts for i mean over over a decade uh son of a green beret so the motherfucker knows some 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 stuff all right uh but he so he squeezes his thick ass thighs in on cody and cody just taps uh due to the pressure on his calf so kind of like a calf splitter uh armbar crunch type uh it's interesting interesting so that was uh that was something and then i go around two and uh what happened in round two that's when t really fucked me up uh we were going and we were going pretty good and uh and he uh he grabs me at one point and i'm basically you're right you're riding the fucking glacier shark tan like so I'm, I'm i'm riding him and doing my best and at one point i had him in like uh a, what's uh had him in a, like a north south kind of alligator roll you know neck hold i wasn't choking him but i had it i had a, i had his neck and we were face to face but our feet were on it. so it went like if we were both laying down flat head to head basically but then I had a hold of his head and I had the roll and we kind of rolled like that he couldn't get out of it like I was cinched up and then um I kind of just worked out of that I don't think he pulled out of it I can't I don't recall I feel like I was with it I don't think he pulled out of it I started to transition to to a different position and we ended up then he powered out scrambled so he did get out of it because of my I shouldn't have tried to change positions. I should have just held, squeezed his fucking neck for longer. But we scrambled, and in that scramble, he kind of stepped through and did a hip toss. Now, let me mind you, Big T and mine's combined weight is probably 450 to 500 pounds, uh, and I'm not half of that. Um, I'm not half of 450. So he rolls and lands on top of me, and I crunch between his body and the earth. Gravity decided, I mean, I, I slapped between gravity and Big T is basically what happened. So it crunched like my head, my head hit the ground, and but it was also stationary like against him. So it was just a solid timber. So it crunched my head and like my neck was kind of sideways. So it kind of fucked up my, uh, the left collarbone up into the neck area. Like it's all good, like t- full mobility, but it's definitely like inflamed at the moment. Really been CBD and up since Thursday, and uh, oof, I'm ready for for this 
kind of to the, the tension to to lie down and uh, the, but the the worst part so it's in, it's into the shoulder too so that's from the that part of the slam but then his shoulder was on my chest right on my left just breast right on right on the pec and it just pushed out we didn't fall that far but it was a lot of momentum and a lot of weight and we fell probably two and a half three feet we weren't like both standing standing we were getting up off the ground and came back down so there was some momentum there and so he the force like kind of pushed him into my chest and that's a big boy and so that's really the bulk of my pain right now my bruised fucking lungs and I didn't go to the doctor to get that verified, but I did enough research and I've had enough injuries sustained on myself throughout life where I can really kind of figure out what things are pretty quickly. And, and also just reading injury reports from combat sports and just understanding that this aspect of things, just like, oh my goodness. So I'm pretty sure bruised my left lung and then from the shoulder, collarbone, up through the left side of my neck is... Uh, is uh, to little to little tent. So my wife, she's pissed off uh, that I'm hurt. Like you got kids to play with. I'm like, I know, I had it in mind. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I, I was tease a big boy. She's like, I hope you're a little too old. I'm like, I ain't too old. She's like, well, you got hurt this time. You shouldn't do that again. I'm like, well, I mean, I'll be doing that again. You know, I, ultimately that that's. I don't want to make a blanket statement, but that's what men do. And it just has to be some type of understanding there, just amongst, between the sexes. I mean, that's actually, I I feel it's a good thing. I'm not out there jeopardizing anything. Male, just male aggression. We are, the whole group is a bunch of alpha males. The entire group is alpha males. There's no leader. Everybody's doing their own thing. We all choose to give each other our times and be there with and for one another, no matter what life throws at us and, and, and what circumstance we may be in, what way we're feeling in that particular moment, on that day. You know, we're, we are there for one another. If we call, usually somebody's picking up the phone or they're calling back. Like, it, it's, it, we, like those are, it's, a, it's a legitimate brotherhood. It's a tight-knit group. And it's, it's open to, for, for more brothers. We're, we're looking to bring as many people together as possible. Now, obviously, we could run into some hurdles given modern times, but it's also not a very fast, fast-growing fire uh, that we've got doing. But it, it's small, it's tight-knit, and um, there's really a lot of love there. But there is, just in life, when you get those type of personalities together where there are clashes and rather than now. So to have a prime example, we were out before everything shut down pandemic of 2020 and one of the vet check members tried to uh, uh, start a fight over something. Somebody else said it about a, a, a perfectly good stranger was out at, at, the, at the fine establishment we were at, said something and uh, some of the people there thought it was funny. Other people there didn't care for what he said, uh, and regardless of what it was, but tried to then start a fight with that individual. And I just wasn't, I just wasn't with that. Like, dude, we don't start fights. Like, straight up, we just do not start fights. This is where we come. They know us here. We got a good name here. Do not start a fight because you don't like what that dude said. And I. And it was really difficult to do it. I didn't want to do it in public, but I was like, dude, just like he was having a bad day. Like, 
was having a bad day and he had been drinking and he'd been drinking for a while and he didn't like he didn't want to hear that and uh, he later realized it and he's like ah, I- I'm sorry dude like I'm like we're all good and he's like fuck you like <laughs> we were we were good so it really is so when those so when we get together um, I mean similar things can happen we've never like fought each other over that it's always in good fun but it's to let out that aggression so oh let me let me finish the actual the the way Thursday night vet fights uh, went the other day. So after that match, then we kind of all just cooled out. T couldn't get anybody else to go with him for another round. And then he just started kind of just talking shit. And uh, he's like, come on, I got nothing but babies and women in my house. I need to, ah. and I was like, all right, T, let's go round three. And then uh, round three is going, now this is after my lungs bruised, adrenaline's still pumping. I actually didn't hurt until I left uh, and got home and I actually realized I was like, the drive home, from Seth's crib, which he lives right around the corner. But I was like, oh, I'm actually hurt. I, d- I didn't know that. But yeah, I circled, I was like, oh, th- it was from the, the fucking slam or roll, whatever you want to call it. It was a judo, it was a judo toss, and he, he came through. He did what he was supposed to do. I got caught in a, in a wacky position with momentum and gravity not on my side. But we go around three, and cu- uh, stop bumping the mic. A couple minutes in, at most, if it was two and a half, three minutes, I'd be surprised. But a minute and a half in, after already going a couple rounds and uh, and and, <laughs> and tapping uh, both times, I just I was I, I had him. I I feel like I was getting in positions I wanted to be in, and on, on a de- I'm on straight defense while being able to still throw offense at him, uh, and I was doing that again, and. I just, I just like T. I, I, I had him. I don't know what position we were in, but I was on top and holding him mostly still as he slowly maneuvered as the glacier does to the position he was going to be in, anyways. But I was like T. Hey man, I'm, I'm done, dude. I'm, I'm tired. I got to get up with my kids in the morning. I got my boys all day on Friday. Um, it's, it's, it's rain Friday family day, dude. I'm already like, I, I gotta, I gotta get some sleep. So it's, so my, my wife's pissed off. I'm hurt. I'm like, I'm, Hey, my bad. I didn't, I didn't mean to get hurt. She, what would you learn? I learned not to get caught in a scramble in that position with T like that. I can try to get him before he gets me. Like, I don't know. Motherfucker shit. Nah, but I've always, uh, I'm just going to carry on talking about friendship, I think. I'm just straight freestyling it today. Um, coming at you raw. Um, but I'm going to keep it up talking about, about friendships. Just growing up, I, ne- I moved a lot. I went to five or six different elementary schools. And that was always challenging to hit reset you know, multiple times in a school year sometimes. I went to kindergarten, first grade in one school. Here, we can count them. Kindergarten, first grade at Aiken, Aiken Road Elementary in Farmington, Minnesota. Uh, shout out. Drove by there Not in my adult life. Maybe I was 30. I think it was definitely before my son was born. So, And I was, yeah, probably around 30, 31 or so. Uh, was in the, oh, we were planning the wedding. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it was about 30, 31. Uh, but drove by that area and then drove through the trailer park we lived in. In Farmington, and there was trailers before then too uh, that I, I don't uh, I don't have any recollection of where 
where that one was. That one's the one that that, that got. So the first trailer we lived in. So my mom, <laughs> pause. Let me just completely start this one and give you full context. My I was born. We lived in my granddad, my grandparents' basement. Um, moved out of there, had an apartment. Uh, moved out of there into this ratty ass trailer, and this and I don't remember where it was, uh, but it was not great. At one point, they got uh, like ran ramshackled like teenagers ran through there just badass trailer park kids ran through and just fucked everything up like, they didn't rob us they just came through and broke everything like uh, like what what the fuck so we moved out of there into another trailer and this one was nicer a nicer trailer park um and it was that's where i went to kindergarten and first grade when we lived there in aiken road elementary so and then we moved to And then in se- so then <clears throat> here, let me give you full, full context. <laughs> it has to make sense, right? Uh, but even though this ain't gonna make a whole lot of sense because there's stories within the stories. But then my ma- so my mom's with Jerry in the Ratty Ash trailer and in the uh, uh, first kinder intent to the to the nicer trailer, the brown trailer, uh, my mom was married to a dude named Jerry. And uh, that was the sheep fucker, if we can go back, uh, way back into the archives of the Granddad's Basement podcast. Uh, so they get divorced. Uh, we move in with the dude next door. And it, that must have been either at the end of first grade or summer between first grade and second grade. And then we move to another trailer. So this is so Farmington is south, south of Minneapolis. It's not even considered a suburb anymore. It's you're you're an hour out of the city, you know. Uh, so then we moved north to the northern suburbs uh, of St. Paul. And that was up in Blaine. So there I went to Madison Elementary. That was second grade. And in fact, that's part of the story is lost too. So we moved to Blaine. You know what? It's all fuckery. I don't quite remember the order of events at this point in my life. We're talking 1992. Um, so, but we moved to Blaine. And I'm pretty sure it was, so we went from the brown trailer. My mom left Jerry, moved in. The, the dude next door married him. That was Russ. We live in Russ's trailer, move into another trailer with Russ from Farmington to Blaine. So that's another school change right there for second grade. All right. So uh, my mom and Russ don't work out. Me and my mom moved back into my grandparents' basement, all right? So then I switched schools again, and I hope y'all are counting because I'm not even counting at this point. So we, uh, then I go, uh, they get back together, so we move back over to, to Russia's crib. So I went from Farmington, Minnesota, to Blaine, Minnesota, to Bloomington, Minnesota, back to Blaine, Minnesota in one, in one school year, like the first, first half of one school year. All right, so then my ma and Russ don't work out again. We move out. We move into Dave Dutcher's basement, all right? So then uh, we end up getting our own apartment after a couple of months of being there, get our own apartment. This was Stonegate Apartments. Stonegate Apartments is pretty much, I think, where my story actually, like, starts uh, a lot. That's where we were for a while, uh, albeit we were in and out of there and through a, a few apartments, but that's where kind of most of the the people who are still in my life from childhood outside of like my parents, um, who like it starts there. There's not too many, there's nobody before Stonegate apartment era who are still around. Like, and that was second, second grade, third, second, third grade, we moved over there. 
But so my mom's back and forth with Russ. I'm back at my grandparents' house at another school. Then we move back in to, to Dave Dutcher's basement. So I'm back at the same school. And then from Dave's basement, we get this apartment. And then we move back in with Russ for a little bit. And this is all like second, third grade, like the last half of second grade into the summer and, and maybe even, I don't remember, into the third grade. So things weren't great, right? And then, so then they finally decided they're not going to work out again. We're back in with Russ. If you're even able to keep track, you need to write this shit down on a fucking notebook and triangulate all the different positions and use GPS coordinates to figure out where the fuck we're at. Uh, So, and then uh, we go back to Stonegate apartment. So if you're not quite tracking, it's because it's all a fucking mess. So when we were, we were in and out with Russ. So my mom divorces Jerry, marries Russ. Uh, elopes with Russ and then is off and on with Russ and we're moving in and out with him and other people's places and just trying to uh, figure fucking life out, I guess, as, as, as most people are trying to do. So we go, uh, so I didn't have like any friendships. I don't know, it started with friendships, but now I guess I'm telling some of the story and I hope y'all are, are, are down to kick it for a little bit. I'm gonna get up out of here pretty soon. But we, uh, eventually are no longer like with Russ. And in that time frame, during all that back and forth over about a year and a half, two years, like Russ, I don't know if he legally adopted me. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure not, but he, I did have his last name. I had a hyphenated last name and I didn't even know my last name was hyphenated until I was grown. I was getting my, uh, my most current name change. And I saw it and I've had name changes before. So my birth name was Daniel Christopher Rain. And then I changed my name to Daniel Christopher Odin, which is my dad's last name. So I had my mom's last name when I was born. Uh, but in there, but like bef- between those two, my name was Daniel Christopher Rain hyphen Slegel. And that was my ma's second husband. So whatever fucking hoopla was going on, I guess I, I don't know. And I don't care to know. Ultimately, that's, I mean, it's, uh, I don't even know how to put words to it. It's a different lifetime. While be it the same lifetime, it's not anywhere close to the life that I live, want to live, uh, or, I, or could think about putting somebody through. Um, I don't know, mixed emotions, I guess, as, as, I, as I bring all this stuff up uh, in the Granddad's Basement podcast. We're going deep today. Uh, so anyways, we're at Stonegate Apartments after it's all said and done. Back and forth with Russ moving through. We had three different apartments. We lived in apartment 105, apartment 206, and apartment 303. All right, fuck with me. We lived in Dave Dutcher's basement. We lived at Russ's trailer. And we lived at Russ's trailer multiple times. So there's like seven moves during the second and third grade. And shout out to Miss Anderson uh, from Madison, James Madison Elementary School in Blaine, Minnesota, who I swear is maybe the only person as I look back on it uh, throughout my like elementary school and all this nonsense going on. Uh, who recognized like I was an all right kid and it was going to be fucked up. I just will always remember the way she spoke to me, you know, and looking back on it now is like, I hope it's going to be all right for you, but you're, you're like, your, your soul's there, man. Don't let this shit break you. You're going to be all right. She, she had adopted kids 
And I don't know, I'm sure she maybe saw things as an adult looking into my life where it's like, yeah, you got one of those, I've seen kids like you, it's taken a couple, just a couple of slight turns a different way. And like, I'm, I've, she's lived and they end up being put, getting put in the system and hopefully getting adopted. Now, I don't know her, her personal story of how the way she came to adopt kids, but I believe she is speaking more from uh, just the perspective of knowing the way that system is and the type of individuals in that and being an educator for, for however long she had been an educator up to that point, just seeing all kinds of, of different things. But she really uh, lifted me up. And to go from that to the, the third grade teacher I had, uh, Miss Muse, I'm naming names, uh, same school, uh, not the greatest of ladies. I don't, I, and I don't know of all, I mean, oh, just old crotchety, just somebody I don't know who, who should have or needed to be really dealing with kids on a, on a regular everyday basis. But, but who knows the criteria that is involved. And then, uh, then we moved. So Stonegate Apartments begot all kind of that. That was all during that hoopla. I was at that elementary school. Uh, so I wasn't forming any friendships during that time. In fact, I, was, I mean, I had friends. There was, there was a small group of people at the apartment complex uh, that we, that we got tight because we were all latchkey kids, just just going through single parents, uh, just taking care of each other, being around. Uh, but I was getting into a lot of fights too, just a, as a kid, fist fights, like straight up fights, fights in the trailer park, fights from a young age, fighting from a young age. I guess just not no real male presence in the house, like both my stepdads. Uh, that I had throughout that time were weak, weak individuals, uh, put their hands on people they shouldn't have been putting their hands on, whether that be children or women. Um, and just being subjected to that, like that never cool, never great. Uh, so, so that, as far as I knew, that's how we resolve things, you know? So out there on the playground or out there, uh, between trailers or at the, uh, uh, at the bike jumps or wherever we may have been at, I'm out there throwing hands, throwing hands early too. Um, at at on like could be on site too. Like I just learned learned that young, and that's not even like that's some like some street shit mentality. But I think it's just uh, low economic status, poor people mentality, latchkey kid mentality. You know, nobody's. Nobody, I, I got to fight for myself. I'll always fend for myself. I'll always stand up for myself. I, I, there's some type of nature, nurture aspect in there with nature of it. Like I'm still, uh, uh, still on the path of becoming the man who I'm going to become. And I don't want that to be challenged. However, I don't know how to express myself articulately en enough at this age without having any type of fatherly influence. Uh, and I'm going to just throw hands instead. So... Uh, we ended up, though, my mom met my third stepdad, and that's just easier to sum it down that way. They were never married, um, but they did have a child together. We moved from uh, Blaine, Minnesota, and all this happened in one city, too. All those six, five, six, seven moves, whatever it was over the course of one, like one and a half school years, and even to a point where I changed schools because we went back to my grandparents' house at one point. That was all in a real short stint, but it was at the age, like where I was still becoming me. And up to that point, there was no sense of me because things were constantly changing. So even though this was a constant change, it was relatively normal because it all happened just... Like, I, re I remember details are out of place sometimes, but I remember, like, okay, this uh, had a lot to do with forming who 
who I am and just being able to look back at that time because it's some of the time I think about the most. So when I see saw just a lot of off the rail stuff as, you know, there's a lot of young parents too and just seeing it kids my age with with parents anywhere young like my ma or maybe a little bit older just trying to 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 figure all kinds of stuff out and hoping for the best uh uh for for their kids i, I guess cuz i don't know they're somewhere else in their head and and making things happen but i didn't form any any lasting relationships until my mom's uh, the, the third main dude, I guess the fourth, if we were to count my dad, the, the fourth main dude, Randy, that's my brother's dad, and he had two kids. We moved out of that environment to a little town in Illinois, a little Freeport, Illinois, in the fourth grade. And then uh, I still remember some of those people, too, and a couple, of, like one of them. I reconnected with for a brief moment of time on MySpace, and then nowadays I don't know how how my man's doing there. Um, but it was like me and my ma and Randy, and they had a, a child in Illinois. My brother, my brother Cody, he been on Uncle Cody been on the podcast. Um, I'm gonna pick up on Illinois. I got to. Uh, I just got a message. I got to handle something. Uh, we gonna we gonna take a break right here, and I'm gonna come back to it. Pick up uh, where we were in Freeport, Illinois, and uh, and get up out of here. But y'all be cool. Stand by. Basement. Welcome to the basement. Welcome and we to back, the back, basement. back, 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 Okay, sitting here with my lungs bruised in the basement, bringing it to you. Um, yeah, I had a little bit of a break there. Um, I want to pick it back up though. Uh, I remember we were talking about just laying a little bit more of my story out there. And for I'm gonna as time goes on as we as we build this thing as as we get more and more episodes, um, I want when I get into more specifics of the stories, uh, I want y'all to be able to to place kind of to where where I'm at when we when we break stuff down. So, but I like just giving the the quick overviews and and as it kind of unmuddies some of some of the story a little bit to make it all all fall in line but but yeah so we went from there and as i think back on where we are up to this point i mean i'm not even 10 years old that's all like my first 9 years of life so it's a lot of just weirdness 
going on, a lot of relocations, a lot of uh, just a lot of unknowns. Just every day, what's going to happen today? Like every, just it was, you know, no sense of structure, you know, at, at all. No, no normalcy. You know, it's legitimately where am I going to be today? Like I might not be in this apartment. Like we might be back at Russ's house. We might be back in my grandparents' basement. We might be back. We might randomly rent out Dave Dutcher's basement. So, so it's just a complete, just unstable and uncontrolled madness. A little bit unsafe as well. That's how I would describe it. My my the way I grew up, my childhood, the very very early years, and a lot of weirdness, you know, and a lot of witness to. I mean, a lot of low lifes, just uh, dirt bags. Um, pretty much, yeah. I mean, just low income place. You know, not. I don't want to say poverty stricken, but it was definitely, definitely low income everywhere, everywhere we were, and that comes with its own batch of problems and 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 your own influence that that's projected upon you throughout life, your nurture aspect. So there's always, I don't know, it's just always, always some weirdness going on. But then we moved to Illinois, and that's almost a real, a real footnote in the entire saga of my life. Like, yeah, I lived in Illinois for like half a school year or like a chunk of a school year in fourth grade, the 94, 95 school year. Uh, Empire, I went to Empire Elementary School in Freeport, Illinois. It's probably probably still there. That was a culture shock too. It's a, it's a footnote, but at the same time, real, like it's uh, over a 50% black school. It's like a 56% black school. And coming from Farmington, Minnesota, I'm the darkest thing there, to Blaine, Minnesota, I'm the darkest thing there, uh, to uh, to Illinois. Oh, well, that, okay, well, hold on. I did go to second part of second grade. I was back at my grandparents' house, so it was in Bloomington, Minnesota, and then back to Blaine. To make all that simplified uh, for the rest of the podcast, I, I guess. Uh, everything I just said sums up to that. I went to uh, just a couple elementary schools. Although I moved around to a bunch of different places, uh, but when I moved back to Bloomington, uh, that was—I uh, don't remember the name of that elementary school. Damn, I drove by it like every day. I lived in my grandparents' house. Huh. I can't remember the name of that elementary school. Well, whatever. I mean, there was. Uh, there's a high black population in Bloomington, Minnesota, too, at that particular elementary school. Uh, but in Illinois, it was uh, it was a, a lot of black people there. And coming from just all being black or some type of perception of black, uh, knowing my dad's black, uh, it, it's it's interesting being mulatto, you know, half black and half white. I know people who get mad at that word. They're trying to make that one another one of the forbidden words people can't say. Mulatto. Oh, it means X, Y, Z. Like, no, the the root of the word. That's all. Like, it means somebody who is half black and half white. Like, that is the root of the word. Like, there are variations of it and things that have changed throughout time. There's stories. There's unverified stories. There's, I mean, people who use it in derogatory terms, but I, I don't know, the root of the word. It's not the same as other words, or the root of it is not made to to uh, offend or, or oppress anybody whatsoever. Um, and I think it's silly. The actual definition of the word is uh, somebody who's, who's biracial, black and white. So nonetheless, coming from 
uh, on, on all white influence, all white people in my surroundings on a day-to-day basis. Um, that, I mean, that, if that, I mean, that, that's my culture. Like just, you know, a lot of casseroles and hot dishes and stuff. Um, not a lot of black influence. So to go to Illinois and it's just, oh, oh, wow. And it's, it's difficult not to notice, like, especially right away. Um, and I, you know, in the times we lived there, we lived there for about a school year. Like I had two, three, three good friends uh, who I went over to their house and made throughout that school year, all white boys, all three of them, and plenty of black kids to choose from, too. Um, so that was interesting. To, as I sit back and just say this out loud and think of it, I don't know what, you know, whatever that is, I'm just, it, it just is. Um, so then we go from uh, just, a, and you know what, the, the, I think one of the most monumental moments in my life actually happened in Freeport, Illinois. So for that stint of time we were there, I actually... I'm going to save the story because this podcast is, it's, it's taken, it's taken a drift and, um, ultimately I I really don't know what I'm talking about. I'm out here freestyling it. Usually got some notes in front of me, but, uh, I just wanted to go with it, go with the flow today and just, just bring you guys some, just a a stream of consciousness kind of just to, just, just to, just to hang out and kick it. And, uh, uh, hopefully, uh, uh, y'all aren't too bored with me and are down to ride, uh, right now. But anyways, that one of the most monumental moments of my life did come in Freeport, Illinois. I saved this kid's life. Uh, I was, we, we were in the same place at the same time and nobody else was going to do anything about it. And I, 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 and I did. I wasn't going to let somebody uh, die right in front of me. And I was 10, 10 or 11 years old at the time. I uh, know, you know what? I was there in the 94, 95 school year. So I was nine or 10 years old at the time. Um, and I'm not going to go in any more detail than that, other than then when that happened, it was in Freeport, Illinois. And I'll go back to all the specifics on that story at a totally different time. Uh, but other than that, not a lot come out of Illinois. Like no, you know, just, I guess I, I come out, I guess a little bit changed as a person at that time, because that I went through what I went through and it, it could, you could, when we do the get to that story, you could consider it major, you could consider it minor, but I was a child who saved another child's life directly, like, uh, to metaphorically like pull them from the flames. Like it was legitimately, this individual was going to die, uh, for sure. So, but other than that, um, that's it. I was just in Illinois for, for a blip. And I guess I was there for a reason. That was my specific reason to be in that place at that time. Uh, if it was for that moment, then so be it. So that, you know, leads me to believe other things in life. You know, you're only, you know, you be where you're supposed to be and the universe is going to give you, you know, what, you know, what you deserve and also what you can handle. You know, you're not going to get thrown anything, you know, too out of the ordinary based on your actions in the world, if that makes sense. So you, I mean, legitimately the universe is always going to find its balance, but nonetheless, we leave Freeport, Illinois at the end of the fourth grade. So 90, so summer 95, we up it again. Randy gets a job transfer and I don't know if he put in for it or, or, or what the dilly, but I guess, um, Cheshire Court in Freeport, Illinois, wasn't going to be our our permanent destination. So we up and leave there and go to Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which more or less is home. You know, has became home. I'm a kid from Eau Claire. Like I grew up in Minnesota, 
So that's why, like, when I say I'm from Minnesota, like I was born there and had a, a, a lot, a lot go on there in my very early life. And then when I was 10, we moved to Eau Claire. And again, back to all white people. Town about 50,000, 40, 50,000 at the time. Uh, still growing to this day. I don't know if they got 100,000 people yet or not. But uh, shout out Eau Claire. Um, of anywhere, it's where I would, you know, where are you from? Uh, I mean, I'm from Minnesota, but like I'm really from Eau Claire. So we ended up there. Another elementary school, Meadowview Hawks. Shout out, shout out, Mr. Mike Troy, rest in peace. Shout out, Mr. Randy Seely. Random vet shout out, Mr. Randy Seely, my fifth grade teacher, um, Army veteran. And Randy Seely is also the first male teacher I ever had. Um, so yeah, it was a, it took a long time to get there. And then Eau Claire, I mean, Eau Claire became home and some sense of stability. And then my dad comes back around. So this is like six, seven years without really talking to my pop. So a lot of just a lot happening, a lot going on in a young man's life to get to that point. Um, but then pop comes back around and looking back on it just from the moment we started getting back in each other's lives to the moment it kind of fell completely off the rails a few years back like it was never fully on the rails to begin with you know there's a lot of I mean just misnomers as I just look back and, and analyze the situations I've been in in my life and the things I was not prepared for and just based on a lack of uh, proper information being explained and pre presented and explained to me. So, you know, I, there's some, I mean, I guess there's, I mean, there's, there's pain there. There's, there's damage there. Uh, but, but nonetheless, uh, pop comes back around and my parents did kind of keep it cool. We do a split custody type thing. They were doing what's best for me at the time, being cordial with each other. Neither of them really said a bad thing about one another. Um, and then it come to, my junior year, halfway through my junior year. So I got a year and a half left of high school. I'm like, all right, but I was involved in Eau Claire. I mean, I started, I mean, I always came up around, you know, low income individuals, uh, just everywhere that I grew up in the trailer park and the trailers we lived in, just kind of kind of the low lifes, the, the bad kids, you know, the dirt bags. So that's kind of where I was kicking it with in Eau Claire when things started to get kind of a little bit out of control, you know, at least for my mom. It was more than she wanted to deal with at the house. I was just around the wrong people, drug dealers and gangbangers. And, and Eau Claire is a small town for me to find th that niche of life. It, it, it took a little bit of doing, but I don't know when you really sit back and analyze, you know, where the fuck we came from. Like, I'm, I'm going to get involved with the lowlifes, even though I had opportunities through athletics and, and uh, you know, it started off... I was decent at school. Like I had a, a different opportunity than kind of the the path that I chose to walk instead. And that is what it is. That just, you know, just something to sit back and reflect upon and, you know, hopefully put out that to my kids to do something a, a little bit different, really analyze your surroundings and who you're hanging out with and how that can make an impact on, on your life. Your net worth, uh, your network is your net worth to an extent anyway. So, you know, you're the the average of the five people you hang around the most. So take a look around. What are all five of the people I hang out, spend the most time with? 
what are they what are they doing and i'm doing that and that's why i really appreciate you know my vet check guys and even my real estate team for for that matter to be around them and a bunch of people with positive mentalities out there doing great things but it wasn't always like that so when you know in, in eau claire and then having the relationship with my dad uh, in Minnesota and going back and forth, I was able to start making friends and building relationships in Minnesota too. And there was some, some people I really did enjoy their presence and, and hanging out with at a young age and was, you know, Eau Claire was just like, oh man, I, was, needed, I think I needed to, to break out of that because, I mean, I still, even though there was, you know, some opportunity there to have, uh, I guess for lack of better words, a better life. Like it was, you know, there's, Overall, I mean, a small town, a nice community, a wholesome place uh, versus, you know, where we had been before that, you know, nothing able to not not in a place where you can really build upon no actual sense of any type of community. Eau Claire is a, a cool town. It's a, it's a really awesome place. And I could, you know, at one point in my life, I saw like being there and even having a family there. And even to this day, if it, you know, if there were some odd opportunity that presented itself, we could see the rains being in Eau Claire. Like it's a, it's a place I would be comfortable having my family in. Uh, but I needed to leave at that time. My path was, it was, I, I was walking a, a completely and entirely different path and, and had to break up out of Eau Claire and uh, moved in with my pop. So halfway through my junior year of high school, showed up at, uh, at Burnsville High School. We lived, uh, I said Egan, and we lived in Egan, but we were right on like the Burnsville-Egan border, and I, could, I had the choice to go to either school. My, my dad was like, y'all going to, uh, to Burnsville High. So I moved in, and my cousin was already living in the basement. He, was a, a year, he is a year younger than me. Um, and we uh, started... Uh, Kicking in. and in Eau Claire, I moved out of my I moved out of my my mom and my stepdad's basement. At that time, we were up out of the trailer park. Moved in with my stepdad. The basement was my room, so I went back into the basement and uh, moved up out of there. Moved back into my or moved into my dad's house. Back up in his basement in Minnesota. I went from Wisconsin to Minnesota, and then uh, graduated high school. Joined the Air Force, and then uh, you know that's. Where I mean, if we come back to where we started talking about relationships and building friendships, um, you know, along the way, all those all those stepdads and I uh, had a few step siblings in the mix, really, you know, and then my brother was born in there, uh, so you know, it was real strenuous relationships, and the ones I was able to build were, you know, with uh, with my brother, my brother's. Uh, his dad, and then he came. So my one of one of my stepdads and his two kids, and then my brother came in the mix as well. So it was four kids. It was a blended family, you know. And uh, them Reshki kids, those are, uh, you know, that that them's my peoples. I guess those would be technically my day ones. There, nobody's been around uh, longer than them outside of my parents. So and uh, I got a you know we kicked it a couple weekends ago and had a it, it was just good to be be around them like yes uh, my people people who knew what it was like in the home and that's another reason I'm excited right now to have you know two childrens uh, close in age just being able to grow up you know my boy Moose he told me he said have two and have them close together they're gonna they're gonna have a friend they're gonna take care of each other you're gonna get more sleep in the long run I said bet. 
um, get all the all the diapers, all the long nights out of the way, all the all the frustration of, of babies out of the way early, and then you know get to really enjoy in time with them as they grow up and and mature. And I I like the you know. You know, there's multiple ways, multiple ways to look at it and, and attack life, but I, I like I like that model. I like having kids in my early 30s. I uh, did some living, had some fun in my 20s. Um, I would I'm gonna flip it on my kids and be you know life. It's short period, so you're never old. Uh, you know, never 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 be old. Never never allow yourself to get old. Hustle throughout your 20s. You know, utilize your brain, utilize the, you know, the ability to rebound the, the, the metabolism, the less need for sleep, utilize all that in your 20s and build something in some type of, of business or, or hone a craft and make, make your money and then start to enjoy, enjoy the money in your 30s. Then start, you know, really putting that all together in your 40s as I start to, you know, course correct and get to a point where. You know, in my 40s, I want to sit back. I want to I want to catch up on that. You know, I, I partied and enjoyed my 20s. But I think the 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 more the, the better way I'm going to, you know, kind of mentor my my boys is, you know, utilize utilize what you have in your 20s, all those skills, that young, that hustle, that ambition and utilize that a little bit differently. And whatever your craft uh, you, you, you want to choose it to be to to make a little bit of money and then and do your 30s a little, you know, really enjoy that money and, and, and while making more money and then taking it. I don't know. I got, I guess I'm going, I'm going a little too deep, a little more deep than I've ever, ever even thought about in my, my personal philosophy and where, where we're going to go. But so it's about foresight, just being foresighted, just thinking ahead. If I do this, what will happen? And that comes down to every decision in life, ultimately, to include what relationships you hold, you know, who you're going to be loyal to when we sit back and, and think about, you know the last the last episode we were talking about about loyalty in life and where your loyalties will lie. You know, and I've had you know uh, uh, just a uh, a lot of people, a lot of people in and out of my life, uh, personal level on uh, on uh, um, acquaintance type level, and on a business level, uh, just in many many different places uh, and situations I've been in, just just all around and. And I think that's that's important to keep in mind, mind as well as we just try to output uh, the best version of ourselves for life. But I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely wrap this up. I think I've just been rambling, rambling on and on. Um, I started talking about friendships and relationships, uh, and I guess where I, so I, I had a few. Those were my okay. That's what I was saying. So those those are the relationships that I built throughout my childhood, and I would say that's the only ones. You know, one of my stepdads, and uh, and then one of my stepdad's kids. Those are those are my my day ones, my, my the people I'm most loyal to, and everybody else just kind of came and went and helped me learn lessons about things. And then joining the military, that's where I really started to continue to learn about life and gain perspective from people from all over the country and world as well as start to form lasting bonds and relationships with people. And I'm going to get into that at a later time because it's definitely, definitely time to get up out of here. So everybody be cool. Check on a vet and hug your loved ones. Sure.
The first spawn out of two songs So I got to represent to the fullest extent My intentions to get out the street Standing on my own feet Fighting for the American dream So I can get boatloads of green Doing what I love But there ain't no love in the city that I live in No one could give a shit less if I make it I'm taking it all in And making it all bend to my benefit And if you ain't rolling with me I'm holding the key and you blocked out Locked out, I'm on route and you left in the dust cause you doubted No second thoughts, peace and I'm, I'm out here Where it ain't no love, ain't no love at all My back is up against the wall But I still stand tall in the city Where it ain't no love, ain't no love again You gotta get it how you live yeah. That's how it is. Let me learn you. We really go down in the city. No love given out. Gotta earn that nitty gritty. You think it's easy when your back's against the wall? Having to come up, do a little dirt, but don't fall. You see, it's rough ahead when your hopes and dreams are smashed. Sometimes your life feels too fast and you about to crash. But stay standing tall, but don't kill you. Make you stronger. At least that's what they say to me. Truths won't be harder. Mental frustrations will go and pass down the road. Tie the bottle and end. So it's my time to told or tell Oh well, hell, colors everywhere It's like I see my future second strike No one even can been trying to get it How I live without come Not looking great, feeling app after app But it's too late for a repo dude That's been behind some boards God, can you hear me? Take me out of this place of scores in, in the, the city, city. Yeah. 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 Yeah.